My name is Michael and I, I have a finance background. I graduated with a business degree from the University of California and I did finance for maybe about seven or eight years, but I couldn't find any good Avenus resources or any good Avenus businessmen at the time and it was really hard for me to stay in the church or be active with my faith and also be in business. And so I really appreciated how God, he called me to do ministry, he called me to do full-time ministry, but I still have a burden for the business, uh, business field, and I'm glad that we have some question, some question and answer time where we can actually ask some Adventist professionals about their respective business, and I know many of you have questions I'm excited to get to. To my right, we have Michelle, and Michelle, tell us a little bit about yourself. All right, I'm Michelle Ducamus, can you hear me? All right. I have the privilege of co-hosting here with Mike, and I am a business professor, so I teach at Southern Adventist University, and before that, a lot of experience on kind of the nonprofit side, I, my background is in the accounting side, but I'm just excited because these guys know a lot more than I do. Yes, they and do. And so uh, we get to be on the asking end of these questions, which is really fun for Mike and I, and at this time, we'll let these guys introduce you, the ones who will be answering the questions that you've been sending in. And maybe, Gary, we can start with you, if you could just... Share a little bit about yourself. Introduce your name, where you're from, or where you currently live, and maybe this, uh, the business that you represent or what you're doing. Okay. My name is Gary Rayner, and um, I'm originally from the Deep South. That's Australia. <laughs> and I'm kind of surprised you invited me to be here because I'm a high school dropout, and I'm what Hillary would call a dreamer. I was that foreigner, came to the country as an illegal, didn't have a work permit, and from the bottom kind of scrapped my way up. So educationally now, we've kind of done things the other way. I've got two master's degree, one is an MBA, the other is a master of engineering science, and I'm working on a third master's degree in AI at the moment. I'm a serial entrepreneur. Um, I've started eight tech companies over the last 20 years and have had three blockbuster hits. My name is Denzel, Mc Denzel McNeilis. Um, I started in a family business that built concrete mixers, and uh, when we started, I was there were nine manufacturers, and we were ninth, and uh, we were able to grow that. One of the things that we did that really made a difference is we started paying tithe on our on our on our units. Every time we sold a mixer, we put so much to tithe and so much to offerings. That wasn't the only thing that did it, but I believe that was one of the, the major reason is that we were blessed. But we started that business, we grew that to where we were, um, we became the largest mixer manufacturer in the world. Then we uh, started in the garbage business, and became the second largest garbage business in the world. We were in concrete plants, we did investments, we did, we, we entered into a whole bunch of different types of businesses, and then we sold that. And I, uh, I thought I wanted to retire, and that lasted for about two weeks. And uh, so I bought a little bank that was starting, it was uh, 26 million, and we're now at, uh, 370 million and uh, so we've really been blessed uh, through the years and uh, I can tell you the secret is is to make sure you have a good partner and that's the Lord Amen. thank you Denzel good afternoon everyone my name is Ed Reed I have been teaching money management biblical principles of money management for about 30 years and have written books on that topic I have a law degree from Georgia State University and also public health degree from Loma Linda and a master's degree from uh, Andrews University. My name is Brenda Palmer, and my husband and I are contractors. I am not an entrepreneur, but every entrepreneur needs a manager. 
And I'll tell you, I'm good at that. (laughs) So that's where I come in. Um, We also went into church planting. And if you want to have a good church, you need a good infrastructure, just like you do for a town. And we found that people coming into the church needed jobs. And God has been our HR director. I'll tell you, sometimes he sends us doozies. Um, But they turn out to be really good employees. And so I am, we are definitely in partnership with God in our business. My name is Danny Houghton, and uh, I'm the chief customer officer at a company called Vibrant Health Products. It's a family-owned business, and we have three different um, brands that we uh, sell uh, that range from gluten-free breads to organic sprouted grain breads and, and breakfast cereals. So I, in addition to having worked on the business side, I do have a background in ministry as well. Uh, grew up working in my father's uh, supporting ministry, and so I have a bit of a blend of both of those. I, I studied undergraduate uh, degree at Southern doing a religion, and then added an MBA to that, so kind of have that combination. But I'm, I'm the token salesman on the finance panel, so. <laughs> well, thank you again for your, all of you coming. Let's just start with a word of prayer. Father in heaven, we commit this time to you. You're the one who has all the resources, cattle on a thousand hills. You have all the wisdom. And we just thank you so much that we can be here together. We want the answers to be solid. We want it to be biblical principles. And we ask for wisdom. We thank you again for this time together. We ask for your presence in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, the first question is, Ellen White says that we should avoid debt like the plague. How do we practice this? Is it okay to get into student debt? What debt is okay? I heard there's something such as good debt or bad debt. Uh, can you get in debt with a car or a house payment? Why is everybody looking at me? <laughs> yes. Uh, debt is bad. There's no question about that. Uh, the Bible talks about debt about a dozen times, and all of them are negative. Uh, the bottom line is there are some things in our current society that we cannot afford to pay cash for, like homes and cars, typically. And... Uh, I usually encourage people, if they do incur debt, to pay it off as quickly as possible. The only debt that I've ever encouraged people to do would be student loans if it's going to be a job that they will improve their job skills so they can make better money and be of more service to God. And again, pay it off as quickly as possible. Get grants and so on, uh, scholarships best you can. But it would be better, I think, to advance yourself academically than not to have a degree. That's my personal feeling about that. Does anyone want to add to that? or? Is- Pretty good. You agree with that? Yeah. I could add one other thing, and that is for most of the big debts, you can prepay them by prepaying principal. And many people have paid their houses off in less than half the time of the 30-year mortgage, as you know. And so you, I would think to be faithful with your tithe. God can bless you, as Daniel just mentioned. Put that very first thing. It's not smart to be trying to use all the money for yourself, but put God first, and he'll bless you. There's no question. Thank you. And I like how you mentioned that, yeah, is the debt going to help you to be able to advance your career to make money to pay it back or is it what we call consumer debt where yeah. we're just big difference. using the money big differences there's another question this came in in a lot of different forms from different people and so we know what people are thinking here and it's basically what are some tips to raise capital to start my business people are asking i have this idea but i don't have any money how do i raise money where do i get it can you guys help us with this how did you do it? I think, I think the best way is to bootstrap. So as much as you possibly can. Kind of like the juice business, you need $500 for a blender. 
you know, buy some apples and you start to get some experience. You start to get your feet under you. But in particular, there's nothing that succeeds like success for being able to go out and raise money. So if you're looking to raise funds, if you can show traction already that people are buying your product, that it works, you know what to do, that goes a long way towards getting confidence. I'm a banker, I want capital. I, I, want, uh, I want the capital something as a receivable that I can take in case you don't, it doesn't work out. And so the biggest issue that you need to have as you look for capital is make sure you have some way of having some assets. Now, if you don't have assets, if you have a product you can believe in, you're going to have to go to friends and family to uh, borrow the money if you need to to start it out. But, but I would agree fully with what, what my brother here says is that you need to try and do it as little as little debt as possible and try to figure out a way of doing it without cost and money. There's a lot of ways of doing things. There's a very expensive ways and there's very low cost ways. And if you continue to do things a low cost way and you carry that principles all the way through your business life, it's amazing what you can do. Like in, when we were in the mixer business, we were the low cost producer, yet because of our quality, we could command the highest price. And if you're the low cost producer and you command the highest price, you can make it in the marketplace. So I think it's very important that if you continually look at how you can cut your costs, how you can keep your overhead down, and do it as low cost as possible, and then start building some history, then you can start to get investments. You can start to get people to, to believe in what you're doing. But always keep that philosophy of keeping your debt as low as possible. Because the last thing you want to do is be holding to a person like me. Okay? So That's maybe not say start out. Sorry, I don't know if you can all... You're maybe saying to start out small then and oh, then to yeah. grow it till you get the end. And, and, and a lot yeah. of times people say, well, if I get this business and this business, I can't handle the production, so I need to build up my production. Well, you know that's not what you need to do. Uh, I know that uh, when you sell things, you sell it first and then you figure out how to produce it. Yes. You know, you never Definitely. go Definitely. And, and, and then you figure out how to do it because necessity breeds invention. And that's what happened to us. Every time we got a big order and we couldn't fill it, we figured out how to build the big order. And then that's our new standard, and then we were able to grow it again and again and again. But it's very critical that as you, as you go through your, through your business cycle, that when you start out, be low cost as possible, figure out ways of doing it. And once you start growing your business, it's amazing because you'll, first of all, you'll appreciate it, and you'll also understand it as you go forward. You'll start looking for ways to cut costs because at the end of the day, it's what you take home. It's not the sales. It's, it's what it, what's, what's in your pocket. That's the most important thing when it comes to business. And I mean, in my... A, uh, no, I, I'm not taking the spiritual side into it. I just want you to know. <laughs> I'm talking about just from an economic point of view. Yeah. Don't be afraid to start small. I've seen yeah. too many people start with big ideas and they don't have the expertise. I mean, just watching today... Um, most of you have not had expertise in running a convention yet. And starting small was really nice with 150 people. Next year, maybe we can do it bigger because we'll, have, we'll know a little bit better. Thank you, Brenda. And, you know, we, we appreciate your patience with us. But yes. Just, just one other thing I want to add, too. When you're looking to raise money, whether it's for your business or for your ministry, another really critical component that you're, the person that you're pitching to is going to ask is, can I invest in this person? There's really two questions. The first is, does the idea have merit, and have you been able to show a track record 
that says your idea is good. But the second question is, can I trust this person to actually deliver? And so in your persona, in the work and the way that you present yourself, you need to make sure that you're projecting an energy and a commitment to follow that idea through because in any startup, you're always going to hit bumps. And the question is, are you going to be able to power through those bumps and make sure that you can execute? Because that's the big question uh, that an investor is always going to ask. We have a rule in our bank that if we're giving a million dollars or more loan to a per individual, we don't just look at the financial statements. Either my son or myself will personally go visit that organization and look and talk to the owners. Because we can determine, because you can have a phenomenal financial statement, but if the owners are, owners are doing things that you don't feel are good business principles, we don't give them the loans. Because you've got to have those foundations in place first. It's very critical. Thank you. The next question has to do with once you've obtained money, how do you invest it? Are stocks good investments? Are there good stocks and bad stocks? What about cryptocurrencies? That's a new thing. How can you tell the difference between investing and gambling? Well, <laughs> you can tell it about six months later usually. <laughs> After the crypto crash. <laughs> Um, but there's, you know, there's something that's worth looking up called the five stages of a bubble. So if you're ever interested in looking at cryptocurrency, you know, a year ago, the, the kind of exuberance that was taking place, this like expectation that there was this infinite, unbelievable rocket that was going to go up forever. These are all the signs of a bubble which is almost guaranteed to, you know, crash and lose your money. But um, I would say seek the advice of experts because if you think that you're going to be Mr. Merrill Lynch, go in, run your business during the day and then at night time you're going to be this super stock trader that's going to beat alpha, you know, taking these incredible risks. You're going to think you're very smart while the stock market's going up and you're, you're betting on margins and you're making 20, 30% a year. But then when it goes the other way, you won't be able to react fast enough and you will lose everything that you've made and possibly more on the debt that you've taken to try to do that. So I would say find a good financial manager, talk to people that you know are savvy, not just somebody that is struggling financially, but somebody that actually has some success. And um, that'll go a long way you know, towards making good decisions. But I'd say ultimately, you can invest in others, but the best investments you can make are the investments in yourself. So whether that's your education, or if you really feel a call of the entrepreneurial spirit, put your money where your mouth is. Maybe not all of it if it's your first time, but <laughs> you know, because that investment in yourself, it's, it's debt free, and it can take you so much further than investing in someone else. That is so true. I will only invest in companies that I can control. If I can't control the company, I'm not gonna invest in it, just because of that reason. I think one thing that I would add is that you could tell whether the business is going to be successful by whether their personal finances are in line. If people are living their lives in debt and, and just showing out there, you know, it's, it's, it's probably not a good sign. For example, uh, it's not a, a, a significant thing to be uh, into the stock market if you own a lot of money yourself and you're over your head in debt and so on. So the best investment you can make for your personal finances is to pay off your debts. Invest in yourself and invest in things that are quality, right? Like some people try to go with the stocks, like this is going to be the next big thing, 
but what you all are talking about is more of a, a quality investment, actually looking at the country. Yeah, it's like one of these famous last words when you use some of the investments, and that's, watch this. <laughs> so maybe uh, you can add on to that. If maybe stocks is, doesn't seem like something anyone really does here, uh, what is a prudent investment? Is real estate the best option? Is there something else? Hedge fund managers? What is the best investment? Actually, I don't think it's fair to say that you know none of us invest in stocks. Oh, okay. You know, I do have a significant holding in the in the stock market as well, but that's carefully selected, and we don't take tremendous risk when we're doing that. Okay, thank and, you. And we also do hedge funds, and also do you know look at emerging markets to try to get a balance in a portfolio that's not necessarily correlated. So if there's a correction or a down, maybe one category can increase to make up for some of the losses that you've made in the other categories. The other thing that's important is, is to do laddering and some things like that. I think it's very critical. And doing more conservative type investments. The thing is, what you got to realize is that if you think you're ahead of the stock market, you're never going to be. You know, we, we invest in a lot of bonds. That's our, that's our main focal point in banking is bonds. And you know, we try to guess where the market's going to go with bonds, and we can't. I, we, every time we guess, we usually guess wrong. So we decided what we're going to do is just systematically every month we invest so many bonds per month and we just ladder it and every month continually to invest our, our money as we go forward. That way we're, we're not making a huge in, incre investment, I mean, you know, huge profits, but we don't lose them either. Thank you. Thank you for that. All right. We have another question here. What are your thoughts on getting government grants and other types of grants to make a business successful. So I think what they're asking is, you know, aside from debt and that type of thing, is there other money out there? What is in that area? Sure, um, I'm happy to answer that a little bit. Our, our company's actually uh, just over the border from the U.S. and Canada. And Canada has a lot of different programs that are designed to help stimulate um, commerce and growth in their manufacturing sector. And so I'll give you an example of one. Um, anything that we do from an R&D perspective to create a new product, they will fund 60% of both the labor and materials to create those products. And so we look at that and we say, hey, that's a really good investment. So what we'll do is we'll staff up in that area and we'll create new innovative products that they will write, you know, they basically write us a check for and then we're able to take that innovation to market and be able to utilize that uh, to create a unique selling proposition for our company. Now that's not the case in every uh, country, certainly not in the United States. Uh, being an American, I thought, man, this is cool, they're handing out free money. But you know, I use that tongue-in-cheek, there are a lot of different grants, there are a lot of different organizations that want to foster a certain type of development of different ideas, and if you can access those or find those type of things, that gives you a leg up, because it's really free money if you qualify. So Danny, point of the story, we should all move to Canada. <laughs> well, there's plenty of space there. <laughs> all right, the next question we have is, I've been able to save $50,000, pay off school debt, and now I have $50,000. What is the best financial investment? Is there a certain sector or segment that I should do with that money? How can I grow that money? I'll give you one idea. Uh, we're encouraged in the spirit of prophecy and the Bible to seek the security of home ownership. And if Denzel would tell you, you don't make your money when you sell it, you make it when you buy it. So if you can find a good deal to buy something, secure that rather than paying rent your whole life. That, that's my suggestion. Most of us our age have uh, appreciated assets, so when you sell your house, you make a lot of money, double your investment, for example. And uh, 
people think now the houses are way out of the market, but what will it be 20 years from now if time should last? You see what I'm saying? Maybe we'll all be with bitcoins then, I don't know, but the whole point is. Uh, yeah, you don't think so? Denzel said it won't let be me just point. Let me just underscore that again. Investing in your own personal needs is a, is a good one if you get a good deal on it to begin with. That's what I would say. The one thing I would also add there is don't invest in something you don't understand. You know, the stock market or a business that you have no clue about, and there's a whole variety of things to say, to say to yourself, what am I good at? And what can I understand? And does it make sense to me? Because that will allow you to make a more informed decision on how to invest your money. Invest in something you can understand. Actually, I'm going to take a contrarian view. So if you had $50,000 in your pocket right now, you just found it in there and you're like, well, I don't really have anything to spend it on. If you don't need that money for a while, it actually could make a, a lot of sense to put that into either an index fund or a basket of stocks if you think maybe it's 10 years or more before you need to tap it. Because over time, you're looking at probably a, you know, a 6 to 7% or 8% return on that money on average. Now, the stock market can go take big dives and go down or it can have big dips and go up. But if you kind of draw a line in the long run, you're going to be making that kind of money. It really depends when you're going to need that money in the future. And if you need it soon, you probably don't want to tie it up in something that could bounce all around. I like real, uh, rental properties. Our son, when he was in college, bought a house. He moved into the garage and made an apartment and rented out the three-bedroom house portion to pay his mortgage payments. By the time he graduated from college, he had it all paid for. He's kept it the last 15 years, and you know he makes really good money on it. <laughs> so this next question uh, came from some people that are having the opposite problem. They, they need the money. So one person asked, would you please donate to my startup? But other than that, um, <laughs> this is a legit question here. What is the best way to solicit donations? How do you convince donors that your cause is, is worthy to be supported? Well, I think it's definitely back. They're going to look at you personally. Do you know how to work? Do you know how to spend extra hours? It, I think that one of the biggest problems we have in the United States is child labor laws because you all grew up in a time when they, you weren't allowed to work and it, other than three hours an afternoon or something, you know. And as an employer, I see that as a very great problem to you actually getting money because I don't know that you're going to put in the hours that you need to. All right. I think that... <laughs> Thank you. So make sure that you work. Uh, I, I like what you said earlier, Danny, though, that people buy into you, not just the project. Right. Right. Donations, in my experience in working with nonprofit, is a lot about relationships. People need to know you. They need to know what you're doing. You've got to cultivate that before you ask for the money. And I think we forget that a lot of times. We go looking for money, but we haven't really built the relationships with the people and cared about them first. Maybe so, uh, to go along go with that, Denzel, Maybe you can talk a little about ASI missions, or maybe is there a place where they can apply, or sure. I have an idea, or I have a ministry, is there a place I can at least, where can I go to at least apply or try to get funding? Well, ASI looks at um, hundreds of projects a year, and uh, we, uh, well, 100, 150 plus projects a year, I'd say. And as we look at these projects, we look at track history, look at the people that are behind it, we look at what they are doing. Like for an example, if someone comes in and says, I have an idea, it's gonna take, uh, well, I've had some that said, it's gonna take a million dollars and we want you to give a million dollars of it. You know, that goes in the file 13 real quickly. 
Okay. Uh, what we and I, I'm not trying to be facetious. It's just that we look for where projects where I'm looking at a, a project. I'm I'm going to need a uh, hundred thousand um, dollars. The project's going to be let's say the project's going to be a hundred thousand dollars. I have raised money here. I have this person. This person's helped me already, and I need fifty thousand dollars to complete the project. Those are the types of projects we look at because we've seen that people have already put their effort in. They've already looked at different pro. Uh, pro um, ideas and they've gotten other people to buy in before we step in because it gives you the valid it validates the people that you're dealing with I'd make sure that you're dealing with people that are that you uh, that you can work with that have connections with other people to, to start getting believing so so let's say that we get in a connection and we we get along and you and we do a small little project with you and we like what you do then we say okay well if you do this then I'd call to some other friends and say hey this person has a great project you know if we put this project and this and this together we can fund a bigger idea but you can't just start out and jump off into the deep end. You gotta start slowly go through the projects and, mm -hmm. and look at it from an idea. The problem is, is most people have an idea, but we don't know whether they're gonna go through with that idea. A lot of people have ideas and you give them money and guess what happens? They spend the money and no idea, it never comes to fruition because they've not done the pain and the, the work to get to the, the result that you need. Last question for each of you. Maybe you can all answer this short one minute, two minute answer. I'm a young person here, a young professional, and I look up to the leaders at ASI. I don't know where to begin. I don't know what to do next. I want to receive guidance and mentorship. How can ASI give me mentorship and guidance? Or how can each of you you or ASI? So I'll, I'll just very briefly answer that. I've, I've grown up in ASI. This is actually my 35th ASI in a row. I started coming when I was seven years old. And, and I want to, I, I share that because I was able to grow up in this context. And I have found a tremendous benefit. You know, you say, how can I get it? No, you need to go get it from the mentor. You need to, you know, entrepreneurs are active people. Find somebody you respect that's doing something that you think is positive and say, hey, can I come learn from you? Put the onus on the person to come and say, I, I want to learn, I want to teach. ASI is full of people that have all kinds of backgrounds and experiences. And if you're willing to look at us as a resource, come talk to us. You know, you'll find that most of us are very happy to share what we can and help however we can. But this is the place where you can do it. All right. Come to as many ASIs as you can was the moral of the story here. So. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Um, Steve Dickman's dad years ago told Brent and I when we were young, he says, just start showing up. He says, show up at ASI. And you know, it has been a life-changing experience to show up. But I, and I think that talking, ASI is one place where you can, hey, you can even go talk to Denzel McNeilius, you know. Um, it's just, you can meet and greet people and people will help you. I've got some young people that I'm kind of mentoring and taking on, they call me, or I've actually taken them on and say, here's something that you need to do, you know, and it's, it's an interactive experience. How I did it here is when I came to ASI, I joined one of the boards. I got involved. And when I got involved, I started, I saw how the different people that were in that board, and there were two people particularly that I really thought, those people really are intelligent men. They're both men, by the way. And they, uh, and they, um, 
and I and I always say that because it could have been a woman. It could. I'm not saying because there was a couple of business women women in that group that were very very successful. But I, I went to these two particular person people, and I became their friends. I started walking with them. One man today, I still I talk to him every so many months. He's a little too. He's older now. One's passed away, but one particular gentleman, gentleman, and I'll even tell you his name. His name's Tom Zapara. I would make a point because I was very fascinated with how he ran his business and how he did his business. And uh, I actually got to be his friend and we would go for walks. Every time we were together, we'd go for walks. And he'd say, Denzel, tell me what your problems are. And I'd tell him about my problems and what I'm, where I'm facing in my business. He says, so what are you going to do about it? And I'd tell him my ideas, and he'd say, well, that's, have you ever thought of this? Have you thought of that? That's a stupid idea. You know what I mean? He's very blunt, and I appreciated that. And he would tell you that, and I appreciated that. But realistically, the people that you really want to be mentors are people that are busy. They're, they have their business. They're in their busy. They want to help, but they're not going to go out and say, hey, I want to be a mentor. They're not going to do that. But they're looking for friendship as well. So they love, and most, young, most older people like to tell their stories. Okay, I'd love, if you want, I, if I have time, I'd love to tell you my whole story. It take, it'll take too long. But the point is, is that we love to, to sh share our knowledge, but we just got to get to know you well enough to be able to do that. And I think that's, that's the part that's important. If, you're, if you say, I just want a mentor, that's not going to work. You have to go out and seek these people out, and once you seek them out, become their friends, and not just become their friends just because you want to get something from them. You truly want to learn something. One thing I learned from these people more than anything else, and I don't mean this in the wrong way, when I sat around my first board meeting, I was really blown away by all these very important, wealthy men and women that were around the table. And one thing I learned was is that they weren't any more intelligent than I was, and I don't mean that in the wrong way, but they had all this experience. Mm -hmm. They had all this knowledge that I wanted to learn so I didn't have to make those same mistakes. And that's what I really learned and that's what I really appreciated was the fact that I know each one of you is probably way brighter than I am. So the, the, so the secret is, is not to take the, it's not the intelligent part, it's the, the knowledge and experience that these people, these men and women have that you want to learn from so you don't have to make those same mistakes. I think I would add the idea that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And uh, there are more than 2,000 verses in the Bible that deal with money and possessions. I'm not going to read all 2,000, but I do have one favorite, and it's Proverbs, the third chapter. Most of you know that the book of Proverbs is a book of wisdom. It's not right and wrong. It's just wisdom. And if you pray through the book of Proverbs, you can do it in a month, one chapter a day. But Proverbs, the third chapter, says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and don't depend on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. He'll direct your path, so don't be wise in your own eyes. Most of us have many degrees here, and uh, we could depend on our own wisdom, but shouldn't we seek God first? That's the idea. Then here's the bottom line of all this. Honor the Lord with your possessions and the first fruits of all your increase, so your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. No better business partner than the Lord himself. Amen. Well, according to Zig Ziglar, the best way to uh, have a friend is to be a friend. And so I think, uh, as Denzel was saying, starting off a friendship is a great place to start. Be interested. Get to know. You know, know the person that you want to learn from. And in particular, have a respect. A respect for their, um, for the, for their time. A respect for their, um, their capabilities and their experience. Because that goes a long way too. You know, particularly when... Very, very successful business people are typically very, very busy, and they want to make sure that their time is being used well, 
and that it's being appreciated. And one place to do that is in the exhibit hall. Each of these exhibitors is actually investing their time right now, so they're real easy to go up to. And, and if you would just start down the aisle and make a, a decision to talk to everyone, you would learn a lot and you would make some friends and do what Denzel, it would give you a start on what Denzel's suggesting. Well, thank you so much for all of your time. I know that you all are very busy individuals. So again, thank you so much for your time, Michelle. Maybe you could uh, close this with a word of prayer. Yeah, no problem. Father and heaven, Lord, thank you so much just for the chance to learn from each other. Thank you that you do have counsels for us about finance and money, and you are the God who's our provider. You provide the ideas and you provide the funds. And so, Lord, I just pray that you would guide each one of us as we are seeking to know how to best manage our money, best go forward in the things that you've put on our hearts. I pray that you would follow you and that you would continue to lead and guide. And I pray this and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. This media was produced by Audioverse for ASI, Adventist Layman's Services and Industries. If you would like to learn more about ASI, please visit www.asiministries.org. Or if you would like to listen to more free online sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.